listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Brexit. What a pass to Anders. A team follow. Boy, branch fires. He converts. Rhymes again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanas underscore five. And I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Barbosa. Justin, I'll, I'll toss it over to you in a, in a little bit. But, man, it, it's good to be back. It's good to be recording right on the 1st of July that this podcast will be out. It's been a while. It's been a lot of news and, and regarding the University of Houston hoops, University of Houston athletics in general. Justin, I'll toss it over to you. What you got? Yeah, it's been a while since we've been on, but uh, a lot going on with the schedule and, uh, and Quentin Grimes. In the draft combine, as he had a couple of great games lately, scored 12 points in the first game. In the second game, he went off with like 27 points and 7 of 12 from three. And also showed a little bit of the assist game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Quentin Grimes and the NBA draft combine, that has been the biggest thing pertaining to men's basketball in the past few months, uh, past few weeks, uh, not months, but um Quickly, Justin, before we get into any of specifics of what we're going to discuss on the show today, be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And like Justin kind of took us right now, I mentioned in a, a moment ago, Quentin Grimes has been the story of not only the University of Houston men's basketball, but really nationally, he's starting to get, he's gotten a lot of buzz in the draft combine. It's done wonders for him, especially that second scrimmage that he had in, in the draft combine last Friday. I believe he had 27 points and made seven threes. And honestly, all around, he had a really good week at, in Chicago. Yeah, because before the, the combine, uh, Quentin Grimes was projected around a mid to late second round pick, but, uh, after those two games, he's risen up to at least the early second round in a, a couple of mock drafts. He's even uh, squeezed into the late first round. Yeah. Before, like you mentioned, before the, the NBA draft combined, Quinn Grimes was honestly anywhere from late second round, uh, probably in late 50s to not being drafted at all. There, there were a lot of mock drafts out there that didn't have him in the top 60. And since the combined, it certainly seems like he's solidified at least a mid-second round spot and, and guaranteed a spot that he'll be called. He'll hear his name called in July. Justin, just looking at all these numbers that he's put up in the draft combine, which one stands out the most to you? Definitely that second game because he showed uh, his shooting flash going 7-12, to 12, and also the rebounding department with four rebounds and two assists. And really what stands out the most is he was taking care of the ball, just two turnovers. But, yeah, yeah I saw a bit of the highlights. He's showing a bit of his uh, flashiness with the passing game, making some assists. But, yeah, his shooting form looked really good when he was shooting those threes. I mean, that's really going to stand out to a lot of teams going into the draft. 
Yeah, coming out of the University of Houston, you know that Kelvin Sampson is going to preach defense and rebounding. It doesn't matter what position you are, especially for guards. I mean, he emphasized if you're not rebounding and you're not playing defense and you're a guard, you're not going to play for the University of Houston. And like you mentioned, Justin, in terms of turnovers, uh, Quentin had four turnovers in that first scrimmage and reduced that to only two and, and kept the increased scoring production in that second scrimmage game. He had a max vertical leap of 38.5 inches. He had a lane agility time of 11.9 seconds, a shuttle run of 3.33 seconds, and a standing vertical of 30.5 inches. But, you know, when it comes to the NBA draft combine, it's a little bit different than when you compare it to the NFL combine. But obviously the the big, big main eventer, I guess, the entire week was that second scrimmage. And and Justin, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the second segment in terms of where – Quentin is kind of being projected, but just based, let's take a step back before the draft combine. We got a chance to see Quentin a lot more during this time in Houston, specifically as this past season, not draft combine aside. What do you think that Quentin Grimes had to kind of prove going into the combine? And do you feel that he did that? I always thought he needed to be a little bit more consistent with the shooting like, he had a lot of big scoring games, but I think the problem he had consistently was uh, shooting the three and shooting it consistently. But he's always had the ability to drive to the basket and uh, was always engaged on defense and getting the rebounds. But I always thought his shooting was uh, had a little bit need of improvement, but he really showed it going into these uh, two combine games, just really shooting the lights out and just very efficiently. You know, another one, that's a good point. One thing that I would say that he kind of needed to to showcase and not not necessarily because he wasn't good at it or had improved it, but I think more of his playmaking is something that he needed to show just in terms of the way his role was at U of H. He, he didn't, wasn't really asked to, to playmake and honestly dribble as much and create off the create baskets on his own. That's something you didn't really see him do at U of H. He kind of became more of a, a catch and shoot player he, obviously he could still drive and create his own shot he loved that pull-up mid-range shot from the free throw line throughout the whole season but i think that's another thing that he kind of proved that he can do he had four assists in that first and he had three assists in that first uh scrimmage and then also had two of course when it comes to ball handling that's another thing that coming out of high school that's something that he was touted for and at houston he didn't have the opportunity to showcase just with the way that they ran their offense justin what say you yeah this was um, we were actually uh, talking about in our group chat uh, on Twitter, uh, and uh, Dayon Dunlap was actually pointing out that he always had the playmaking ability, but with U of H, they kind of have trouble spacing the floor, so Quinn never really got to show that part of his game, but in these two games, he was really uh, showing some flashy passing, driving inside to the paint, and passing to the big man behind him for easy layup, really showing this uh, playmaking ability. But yeah, when he was with the Cougs, we didn't really see too much of it, because Everybody was usually moving the ball around and uh, trying to get open shots or trying to get an easy basket. But we really got to see Quinn display that passing ability. Yeah, you, you, one thing I think that kind of helped them too, and, and I'm not sure how scouts or any, any NBA scouts or general managers or coaches, whoever, all, everyone has to factor in into – the decision when it comes to draft day, but you know, I think something that will help them. And again, I'm not an expert or anything, so I'm not entirely sure, but I'd feel I'd figure it should help them. It's just 
the journey that he kind of had throughout his college career. Obviously, he had the first season at Kansas, kind of didn't work out, didn't had to transfer over over to U of H. First season at U of H, it wasn't all smooth. I mean, he's uh, he had struggles. He, I mean, honestly, there were some points during the season where he was up and, and out of the starting lineup that first season, the 2019-20 season. He had games where he'd show flashes that he could score. He knew he was really good. And he had other games where he just couldn't hit a single shot. And entering this past season, his junior season, 2020-21 season, he kind of saw him be a lot more consistent throughout the entire season. That's one of the reasons why he was named the Co-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. But I think that transition and that journey he's shown that he can handle adversity. And Justin, I'll let you have the last word in this segment, but I feel like that's something that can differentiate him. What do you think? Absolutely agree because in this first season, he showed a lot of inconsistency and to the point where Kelvin Sampson actually moved him to the bench to come in as one of those six, seventh man rows seventh man uh, role truly try to get going to fit in with the system and then you mentioned him not working out in Kansas coming in as a five-star recruit but really took him uh, two seasons to really get comfortable with the Cougars and really at the end of his first season and then second season we saw that big jump taking over as uh, one of the leaders and really taking that adversity into the tournament Coming right up on Pod Slam Jamo, we're going to put our first take hats a little bit. We'll debate. We'll discuss. Well, we won't debate. We'll discuss. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We'll discuss um, where we think Wendy Grimes will be taken on July 29th on NBA draft night. We'll go over a couple of mock drafts where some experts have them. And like I said, just discuss about it. Coming right up on Pod Slam Jamo, your home for University of Houston Hoops. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continue on here at Pod Slam Jamma, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Yeah, Justin, we're going to continue our Quentin Grimes talk. It's going to be a Quentin Grimes heavy podcast episode, but let's get right into it with a couple of projections that some of the experts have them and are projected where Quentin Grimes will go on draft night. We'll start with the athletic John Hollinger. Um, he had some interesting quotes to say about Quentin Grimes and, and I'll read a statement that he included in his article for The Athletic, and I quote, His shooting performance this weekend at the NBA Draft Combine makes it easier to buy the improvement and likely locks him in as a mid-second rounder or better, end quote. Justin, before I move on to any of the others, just right there, I feel like, like we mentioned in the first segment, with the performance that Quentin Grimes showed at the Draft Combine, I feel like at the very minimum, he's locked in that he will be taken at some point in the NBA Draft, whether it's second round mid second round what do you think yeah i agree with about the mid to early second round uh, he really showed he was controlled and uh, very consistent those two games and really trying to make a point to the scouts that he, he can play in the nba and and whoever gets him is going to steal 
For sure. And I'll move over to ESPN Draft Express. Jonathan Giovanni, um, he, this is gonna this is gonna be the one that U of H fans, I, I think the official University of Houston men's basketball Twitter account is this is the one they touted. He had Quentin Grimes going 28th overall to the Philadelphia 76ers, which would be interesting considering obviously the Sixers have Daryl Morey, that, that connection, uh, with Kelvin Sampson, who they have a good relationship after Kelvin Sampson's time with the with the Houston Rockets before he joined the University of Houston. Justin, a couple of questions here. One, do you feel like this is the ceiling per se? This would be about the highest where Quentin would be drafted on draft night. I agree, even though I'm still kind of le- leaning towards the early second round within like those first five, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean... With the amount of effort Quinton puts into his game and what he showed this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised he goes to Philadelphia with the 28th pick. I mean, with this jump shot and uh, his pa- especially his passing ability, I think that will really move him up in the draft. I mean, being a team player and putting in the effort and the work. But now, I still got uh, Quinton around uh, the early second round. Right. I was going to follow that up with – Philadelphia, what do you think about that fit if he does end up going to the 76ers? I feel like it'd be interesting, especially when you look at Quentin Grimes' strength. Obviously, he's going to be shooting. He proved his past season shooting around 40%. I think he shot a little bit better than 40% from the three-point line. And like we mentioned, defense and rebounding are calling cards for the University of Houston program. That's something that would really benefit the Philadelphia 76ers. What say you? I would think so because he, he could be one of those uh, three and D wing players. Will he shoot the three and uh, def- defend the perimeter? And I think that's a little bit of something Philadelphia could use, especially add a little bit more shooting with uh, Seth Curry in a backup role. Could add Quinn in there, get a little bit of minutes because I think they really need more shooting around the Embiid and uh, and whatever what happens with Ben Simmons in the off season. For sure. And that'll take me to my next quote. This is from Quentin Grimes himself, who spoke to reporters during the draft combine. And I quote, I feel like I'm one of the best shooters in this draft class. I feel like from day one, I trust the work I put into my jump shot. I feel like from day one, I could be a shooter coming into any NBA franchise and quote. So Justin, I mean, Quentin Grimes agrees with you. And of course he would. He, he's trying to be a top NBA player, but yeah, that shooting is his calling card. And like I said, Philadelphia would be an interesting fit. Justin, another team I want to throw out there. And if what, Chris Gardner, with Chris Gardner, we mentioned earlier, um, I do this show with him every Friday, usually on Fridays. We do this live stream on, on YouTube. I think he calls it Three Folks Talking Sports. I don't know if that's an official name. But during that show, I believe the last we recorded on Sunday, or we live streamed on Sunday during that show, Chris Gardner kind of tossed out the Houston Rockets. And what did they take Quentin Grimes? Obviously they had three first round picks this year. And I'm not sure how many second rounders they have. I don't believe they have a top uh, second round pick in this draft, but just right there, they have number 23 and number 24. I'm not sure how likely it is, but what do you think about the Houston Rockets taking Quentin Grimes with one of those mid-20 picks, if they even keep all three? I think it'll be interesting being a 3 and D player that Quentin Grimes will probably be in the NBA. Um, I think he would probably start out in the D-League 
for the G League as it is today for a little bit. But uh, I think it'll be pretty cool to see him and uh, Armani Brooks play together. Even though I don't think they ever played together since Armani left in uh, after 2019. But it'd be cool to see two Easton Cougars on the Rockets. But I think Quinn would be a good fit as a guy that can play defense and shoot some threes off the bench. Yeah, I think about that. And, you know, when it comes to Houston, there are a couple of Rocket fans that have been campaigning for the Rockets to take one ground with one of those two picks. But I think I find that interesting. And obviously with the with the new regime that's over there with the Rockets, I'm not entirely sure how strong they are connected are with the University of Houston. Obviously, Kelvin Sampson has ties to the franchise. I'm not sure about the, the front office that is there now. But just in terms of what the Rockets are always looking for three and D that's basically what, what Quentin Grimes is kind of, I feel like if he's going to come in and contribute to any NBA franchise, not, not in a single one in particular, but he's going to have to excel at shooting threes and defending and the rebounding will be a plus because in the NBA, it's kind of become a lost art a little bit, but I think that's interesting if he ends up going to the Rockets and just in terms of what they end up doing with the number two overall pick, it'll be an interesting place where we saw, like you mentioned, Armani Brooks this past season got a chance to play a lot for the Houston Rockets. That's something that will benefit Quentin if that were to happen again this season, just getting playing time. Because if he goes to you know the Philadelphia 76ers of the world or one of these other teams in the late first round, he's probably not going to play that much. And like you mentioned, he'll probably spend a good portion of his rookie year in the G League. So, Andy, I actually found an interesting fact. If Quentin Grimes sneaks into the first round, he will be the first Houston Cougar since Gregory Cadillac Anderson made it into the first round in 1987 as he was selected as the 23rd pick to the Spurs. Justin, say that again. What year? 1987. <laughs> Good God. That's been 34 years. Justin, what year were you born? I was born in uh, 95, so I was not around at that time. <laughs> yeah, I was born in 2000, so I was way not not around during that time. That's crazy. That'd be interesting. Man, that'd be, a, that'd be a good achievement. That'd be a great achievement for the Houston program if Quinn Grimes does sneak into the first round in, in 2021. And <laughs> it'll be a certainly long overdue in terms of how long it's taken, but... Not only that, if Quentin were to sneak up to the first round, that's another recruiting tool for the University of Houston men's basketball team. Um, they're already using their their most recent ones. I saw with it. I can't remember which recruit it was. Um, just last week, they they had a recruit in for an official visit, and they had him take photos with the the NCAA Midwest Regional Trophy and the American Athletic Conference Trophy. Um, his name was Jarris Walker, um, who came for his official visit just last just last week, and there was a photo of him. Yeah, like I said, they made him have a photo shoot with those two trophies. So if Quentin Grimes was drafted in the first round, I'm sure they'll, they'll capitalize on that. But going back to the projections that some of the experts have, Quentin Grimes, BasketballNews.com actually has him going 46 overall. So that'd be about mid second round to, to the Toronto Raptors. That's another interesting fit. The Raptors are kind of in, they're kind of a, a weird team. They're kind of in between when it comes to 
what they want to do. Do they want to go for a rebuild? They have some nice young talent with Pascal Siakam and, and a couple of other pieces, but it'll be interesting to see if they decide that they'd rather retool rather than go full rebuild. If they take Quentin Grimes, that could be a destination where he sees a lot more minutes, especially towards the end of the season, depending on how the Raptor season goes. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it's definitely a pretty interesting situation uh, because they still got Kyle Lowry and uh, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet had a down year this season with some Injuries and in just, you know, a down year. But yeah, Grimes falls to number 46. And I believe Toronto also has the number four pick, which I would assume Jalen, they could get Jalen Suggs. But there's also another rumor that uh, there's a, a mock trade that uh, I think it's from Bleacher Report. They, they have Siakam being traded to the Warriors. Oh, yeah, and that's right. <laughs> Tor- yeah, Toronto would get the number seven and number 14th pick. And also James Wiseman, so that'd be a wow. pretty good trade. And then that'd be a really good trade for for Toronto. They'd have number four, number seven, number fourteenth. Last year's number two. Now we're getting too much into trade speculation. We should get over to the Apollo, uh, the launch pod, the launch pad podcast to discuss some of these crazy scenarios. But yeah, um, looking at some of these teams that are in the late first round, uh, I'll just list them off real quick from. Like Houston has the 23 and 24 picks. The LA Clippers will have number 25. Denver has 26. Brooklyn, 27. Philadelphia, 28. Phoenix, 29. And Utah, 30th. Of those teams I listed off, is there one that you could, you could see outside of Philadelphia that we, we talked about earlier could take Quentin Grimes in the first round? Let's see. Who was the 26 and 27th again? It was Denver at 26 and Brooklyn at 27. Ooh. Shoot, I would probably swing uh, probably with Denver and uh, possibly Brooklyn because Brooklyn could always use more shooting outside of Joe Harris. Right. And uh, I know Denver hmm. could uh, use a little bit more shooting, little shooters, because I know they got Michael Porter Jr. They got Jamal Murray coming back next season. And uh, other than that, I don't think I can really name any other shooters on our team. I know they got Aaron Gordon, but he's probably about the average shooter. But Yeah, and really struggled this past season for Denver after the trade. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting, those those teams. I'll tell you, if I was in Quentin Grimes' shoes, and, and this is probably either me projecting, but I feel like if he got to choose from any one of these teams – he probably uh, would want to go to Brooklyn, not only to, to be in New York and play with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, but he, during his time here at the University of Houston, he uh, got to work out with James Harden. I know Harden would stop by at, at the uh, Gavi Lewis training facility every now and then. And he actually did it before he got traded this past season. And I think Quentin, that's one of the players that Quentin Grimes looks up to. So that would be an interesting destination for him. Um Real quickly, going into the early second round, just to stay in there and finish this this list off. But Milwaukee has the first pick in the second round. They they're picking number thirty one overall. The Knicks, Orlando, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, then Oklahoma City again. Those are the first six picks in the second round of those teams. Is there one that you feel would be a good fit, or you could see them taking Quentin? I would have to go with the Bucks because uh, 
I know they're in the conference finals right now, but uh, just once again, like kind of similar with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, put some more shooters around Giannis. And I know right now it looks like really only like pure shooters Milwaukee has is uh, Chris Middleton. And if you can add another shooter with the Bucks, I can shoot the three and defend on the perimeter. I think he would be a really good fit with them. But uh, and also I would see him going to Oklahoma City, you know, as they continued to stockpile picks. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going to take a little bit of a different turn. I could see – I'll choose two teams that I'm seeing. I could see him go to Orlando just in terms of where they are. Obviously, they're going to be in a complete rebuild situation. So, if he were to go to the Magic, I could see him playing a lot more minutes than he would to with any, of your, with any other of these teams, especially like Milwaukee, New York. Uh, and another team, New Orleans. Um, that's an interesting fit. Obviously, I feel like he probably wouldn't play that much at the beginning, but depending on what happens with them in free agency, with, I, they have Lonzo Ball pending uh, pending free agent, so there might be room there for him to get potential playing time to, as the season progresses. So it's interesting just looking at this whole list. There's a lot of places, destinations that he could potentially go to. I feel like he would excel at, but, I mean, he certainly has the resume. I mentioned he's co-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Finish. Actually, he was voted by several different outlets to be All-American third team for like AP, the United States Writers Basketball, the Basketball Writers Association. And obviously, of course, he was part of the 2021 Midwest Regional All-Tournament team in the Amer- in the NCAA tournament. But uh, that's going to do it for Quentin Grimes. Actually, we'll, we'll leave it with this. Justin, where do you think he goes on draft night? Do you think he's the first late first round pick, early second? What say you? I have to put him around the early second round because, mm-hmm. uh, of course, in the early projections, he was projected like mid late second round. Right. I want to be would have been one of the last picks, but after the performance he had in the combine and how well he's shown scouts and uh, his ability and his effort, I think he could uh, land in the early second round and be a steal. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And like I said, I feel like some of these teams are interesting, especially early in the second round. Um, I could see him going to Orlando or, or one of these teams. There's Actually, there's a couple of teams that have multiple picks early in the second round, so maybe they take a flyer on him. You know, I'd be curious to see what Brooklyn does with that first-round pick. I feel if, if there's a team, I think the two teams that would take him in the first round would be Brooklyn or Philadelphia, just in terms of the – connections that Kevin Sampson has to in both of those franchises, obviously with Brooklyn and James Harden, maybe he lobbies for them to take one grabs. I'm not sure. That's me speculating. Uh, not a rumor folks. I'm going to run with it. And Philadelphia, obviously, of course, they're all more there. So they, they know what U of H is about. They know the program. So I could see him going there in the first round, but like, I agree with you, Justin. I feel like he'll probably end up being the early second round pick, but who knows? He's right now they're doing all the private workouts after the combine with individual teams and all, all it takes is one. So who knows? Um, but that's going to do it for our second segment. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we'll transition over a little bit. We talked about Quentin Grimes a little bit too much, so we got to talk about updates. It's been a while since we did a podcast, and there's been a lot of schedule news releases. They're not leaks because most of them have been officially announced by the programs. Actually, so if you haven't heard of this, might be leaks. So stay tuned. Uh, we discussed the schedule updates with both the men's basketball team and women's basketball teams. Coming right up on Pod Lama Jamma, your home for the University of Houston Hoops. 
Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And welcome back to Pod Slam and Jamma, presented by Apollo Houston. Astro back here to talk about the men's and women's new schedule updates. And Andy, there's some big ones on here, so... For sure, just to... Justin, let's just start right away with the number one. <laughs> this news broke last week. This is the big game. Uh, the University of Houston officially announced that they have agreed to home and home with Virginia. The University of Virginia, the uh, first of that home and home will be this season, and it will be played at Fertitta Center on November 16th. Um, and a couple of unofficial Actually, the Montana Tech game, that's another game that was announced, not by U of H, by Montana Tech themselves. That is another official, I'm mixing up my words. The two official non-conference games, Virginia on November 16th and Montana Tech on November 6th, both will be at Fertitta Center. Uh, And of course, the Maui Invitational, another official non-conference, part of the non-conference schedule for U of H. And the official schedule for that Maui Invitational hasn't been released yet, but teams that are going to be in that tournament. Butler, Notre Dame, Oregon, St. Mary's, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, and Chaminade. Uh, sorry if I butchered that. <laughs> but so those are for sure going to be a part of the non-conference schedule. And reportedly, it has been announced by various outlets by both Fox Houston and the Houston Chronicle have reported that U of H will play Oklahoma State as part of their non-conference schedule, the Houston Chronicle is reporting that the Oklahoma State game will be in Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena. And Fox 26 Houston is also reporting that U of H will play Alabama. Uh, Mark Berman, I believe he had an interview with, with Kelvin Sampson in which he said that. Obviously, those games haven't been officially announced by the program, but they have been reported by very credible outlets uh, with Mark Berman and Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle. So, Justin, that just off that list right there. Obviously, I think the main one is very clear cut with Virginia. Um, outside of Virginia, what game stands out to you? Definitely the Alabama game. Uh, that was a game that got canceled this season due to COVID. And uh, Alabama actually got ranked all the way into the top 10 going into this tournament. And uh, that was a big game that didn't get to be played in. Glad's happening next season. That'll be a good marquee matchup. You know, other than Virginia, which is the big one. And then also Oklahoma State, uh, although they lost Kate Cunningham this year going into the draft, but uh, U of H had some good couple of matchups with OK State the last couple of years. Uh, won the first matchup in 2018 in Stillwater, and then they lost the matchup at home in 2019. Yeah, for sure. I, I tend to agree. Obviously, Alabama coming off being a two seed in the NCAA tournament before losing to UCLA in the March Madness tournament, that's going to be a big game. And like you said, one that was supposed to be played this past season, but COVID issues with the University of Houston program really um, canceled that game. But, you know, I'm going to go with one of these games at the, well, one of these potential matchups at the Maui Invitational. I think Oregon that could be potentially a good game just in terms of the history, the recent history that U of H and, and Oregon have in terms of playing. Obviously, Oregon was the first 
opponent that U of H ever played at Fertitta Center when they opened up that building. But also in 2019-20, U of H played Oregon at Oregon and, and lost, like you mentioned, just in Oklahoma State, another team that U of H has had recent history and they've lost the last time they played both of those teams again. And going back to the 2019-20 season, U of H lost to Oklahoma State. That game was in Fertitta Center. So those are going to be a couple of interesting matchups and there's more to come. And like I said, uh, the only official ones that have been announced right now are Virginia and Montana Tech. Uh, I know CBS Sports, John Rossi and CBS Sports also reported that U of H will play Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously, that's <laughs> that's not a headliner, but you got to build that non-conference schedule. And it's honestly, U of H is putting together a really good non-conference portion of their schedules. They're going to put it's going to be a it's interesting with the roster there. It's a new roster compared to the, the final four team, obviously with all the seniors that they're losing and they're going to get tested early on with just the names that have been released so far. So as we transition over to the women's side, they've put together or a couple of news has come out on their non-conference schedule. We'll start with the Cancun challenge, which is the only thing that has officially been released by university of Houston women's basketball team. And in that tournament, they're set to play three different teams. It's going to be a three-day event. I'm take that back. I'm not entirely sure how long, but it, Cancun Challenge are going to have three games. They're going to open up the Cancun Challenge against Arizona State, which a rematch of the WNIT that U of H ended up winning the consolation bracket this past season in WNIT, a rematch of that matchup. And Fordham, they will play Fordham in the second game and will potentially play Baylor and the final game of that Cancun Challenge. Not potentially. Right now, they're scheduled to play Baylor at the end of the Cancun Challenge for the final game of the Cancun Challenge. Obviously, that's going to be a big game with how big of a powerhouse Baylor is. A couple of unofficial, they're pretty official games that will be non-conference. The reason it's not official official yet because the university itself hasn't announced it, but going back to Chris Gardner, like I mentioned earlier, Justin, he had Ron Huey, University of Houston women's basketball coach, head coach, Ron Huey, and interviewed him on his YouTube channel. Um, on Wednesday, he put that up and Ron Huey announced that Dave also will play Alabama on the road, just like the men's uh, U of H women's team actually played Alabama this past season and lost and he also announced that they have signed a home and home with florida state for the next two years and i believe the first game will be at florida state is what ron huey said be sure to check out that interview with chris garner uh, ron huey gave him a whole bunch of information just in terms of how the past season was and ron huey is always a good interview but justin just off those slated games which one stands out to you i think it's clear the baylor is the number one but which one else is up there? She has some tough ones. I would have to say probably Stephen F. Austin, who was a pretty good team in the women's bracket last year, had a pretty good season, and also the Alabama game. Right. It's interesting you mentioned Stephen F. Austin. Uh, honestly, I think that might be one where U of H has uh, circled, not because of, you know, compared to some of these other teams. Stephen F. Austin, for a lot of the for most of last season was ranked higher in the NET rankings than U of H, even though the Cougars beat them. And that's something that Ron Huey actually mentioned in that interview where they were a little confused why Stephen F. Austin was ranked so highly in the net compared to 
the UH women's basketball team. So that might be something that they have circled under their calendar. Um, but real quickly, Justin, one more thing before we sign off for this episode. Some other news that Ron Huey kind of, I wouldn't say broke, but mentioned on Chris Gardner's interview or the interview with Chris Gardner. He also mentioned that Erica Sidney, who was a, a retro senior last season, 2020-21, and senior Julia Blackshell Fair, they were both seniors that's last season, but they will return for the upcoming 2021-22 season, according to Ron Huey, who said that, again, Chris Gardner's interview. That's big. Uh, like I said, Erica Sidney was a, already a fifth-year senior this past season. She's coming back as a grad student. Julia Blackshell Farrell, obviously, of course, suffered the torn ACL injury during the season and couldn't play for the rest of the season, the majority of it. She had she had one game during their senior night where they put her in and, and got her to start the game, and then they fouled and she went out. But she honest, for, after she tore ACL, obviously, of course, she didn't play. Justin, your thoughts on that news? It's huge. You get uh, two seniors coming back to the team with their leadership. And uh, in a few podcasts, you know, back then, uh, we were always juggling, like, are they going to return or not? Like, right. I always assumed Erica Sidney, you know, that was going to be her last season being a fifth year. But with the COVID rules, she gets to come, gets to come back for year number six. And uh, we were also just so uh, mixed about Julia Blackshell Fair returning uh, with the injury, like, and I was thinking, all right, she had this season-ending injury in her senior year. She definitely has to come back with the extra rule, but uh, extra year rule. But we were all, you know, undecided about it. And then you mentioned, yeah, the senior night, like that was the indication, all right, she's probably going to be leaving. But with both back with the team they had last year to build on, that is huge. Mm -hmm. And U of H also gets their entire upper class back for next season. And that's a right. huge plus. So, I mean, really – expectations just went up a little bit higher for the women's team next year. I mean, they're already high, but you get those two back, it's time to run it back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they had a great season this past season. Um, were the first team out of making the NCAA tournament, and they get Julie Blackshell Fair back. She was a big piece to their offense before she got injured. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of will – it's the perfect problem to have. You're head coach of your Ron Huey to kind of figure out how to fit all these pieces because, you know, once, and I, I hate to say it this way because it's going to sound so weird, but once Julie Blackshell Fair got injured, it kind of made Layla Blair have to step up and, and kind of get more comfortable in, a, in, a, in her role. And it'll be interesting to see how to fit all these pieces. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of new pieces coming in with their incoming freshman class and transfers that they had coming in. So, like you mentioned, Justin, the women's basketball team is going to have a lot of talent. And I mean, the expectation for them, I, I mean, at minimum it's to make the NCAA tournament. That's their goal. And really their conference goal is to beat UCF and USF. I mean, they shouldn't top three at minimal. <laughs> that should be a goal, especially with everyone coming back. So certain the women's basketball team is getting those expectations. So we'll see how, they perform. They still got well today. They just released it's July, so we're a little closer to the NBA to the NBA to the NCAA season for both men's and women's. Uh, Justin, before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to sign off with? Yeah, I was actually going to mention one more thing with the schedule. I think another intriguing game 
during that season is going to be Wisconsin. Wisconsin is another good team that usually always makes a tournament each year, and that'll be another great matchup for UH. I mean, overall, just great schedules for both the men's and women's, and I'm looking forward to it. And then women's team's got Erica Sidney and Julia Blackshelf ever returning. I mean, it's going to be a lot to look forward to and definitely a lot to talk about these next coming weeks and months. For Wisconsin, you're talking about the men's basketball team, correct? That's correct. Yeah, they're going to be part of the Maui Challenge. I mean, potentially UVH could play them. Um, like I said, those matchups still haven't been determined yet. But yeah, that whole Maui Invitational, I mean, it's filled with stacked teams. A lot of them were NCAA tournament teams. So I don't know, this past year, the COVID year, a lot of the non-conference schedule UH didn't get to play. It looks like they're building back a strong non-conference schedule. Another thing that, that reminds me, I mean, UH Athletics is running back full capacity for fans in 2021-22. So that'll be another advantage for the University of Houston, especially um, for the men's teams for Tita Center games will be jam-packed. I guarantee you. And if you're listening to this, you should go to a women's game too, because uh, I'll never forget last year against USF ranked, I believe they were 13th ranked in the country. UH beat them. That was a big game for University of Houston. And obviously some of it had to do with COVID, but there weren't a lot of UH fans. There were more USF fans than U of H women's basketball fans, which come on, they're putting together a good product. Fans should go out there and see them whenever they can support the University of Houston women's basketball team. But that's my opinion. I'm not, um, I'm not, what do they call them? I'm not PR for the University of Houston women's basketball team, but more fans should show up to those games. Go support your lady Cougs. It's going to be an exciting season. For sure. A lot of expectations. So certainly I can't wait. I Honestly, I wish we could just fast forward and be in November already. It's going to be an interesting year, but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter at pod slamajama. It's pod slamajama, just like how you see it on your screen, wherever you listen to your podcast, it's spelled the exact same way. No spaces on Twitter at pod slamajama. We actually had a poll up. We put up a poll today that we were recording this on Wednesday um, to take your take, um, to get your take on where y'all thought Quentin Grimes would be taken in the 2021 NBA draft. And Justin, it was literally split um, between first round and early second round, 43% of the voters, for actually 43.4% of the voters said he'll be taken in the first round, while just 43% said he'll be taken in the early second round, and 12% said late second round, and 1% said undrafted. So that's interesting. It seems like, at least for, for U of H perspective, they kind of agree with us where he'll be that late second round, or that, that late first round, early second round, I feel like that's the window where kind of Quentin has vaulted himself into after the combine. Oh, absolutely. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slamma Jammer, covering your Houston Cougars.